talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You are listening to Talking Benefits. Every month, we cover the top stories in retirement and healthcare, the latest benefits, hot topics, and whatever else the industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. So we're here at the gathering on the lawn for the shot put rematch. Our competitors are warming up with swinging of the arms. Although we're missing one competitor, perhaps he's afraid. You might be wondering what you were just listening to. Well, today's episode is devoted to summer perks and policies, and it's one of the International Foundation's summer traditions now to host Office Olympics, which we started a couple years ago. We held events like Sharpery, which is archery using flip charts and Sharpie markers, Shot Put, Basketball, uh, which was basketball using waste baskets and recycled paper, boxing using cardboard boxes, rowing with office chairs, Our goal with Office Olympics was to build camaraderie and teamwork among staff while incorporating elements of workplace wellness. We ended up assigning teams to make sure that there was a good mix of different departments so that we were throwing people who normally don't work together all in one group with the goal of going for the gold. We thought it would be fun to have a rematch of the shot put gold, silver, and bronze medalist since our very own host Justin was among the winners as the bronze medalist. We ended up recording the rematch match. And let me tell you, it was a nail biter. As you'll soon find out, you'll have to listen to the end of this episode to find out if Justin redeemed himself and captured the gold. You will be able to hear the dramatic twists and turns of the rematch. So stay tuned. But until then, we'll be talking about really fun summer perks and policies. Sounds good. Well, I want to just talk a little bit about the bocce league that we've had here at the foundation. We've done that for several years. That's really fun. And I think what makes it the most fun is that we play it on our front lawn, which is riddled with, you know, gopher holes and everything. So it's not a a groomed, lovely, botchy lawn where it's all about you you actually have to have skill and you do well. It's really more just the, you know, wherever the ball goes is how it goes, Mm -hmm. but it's always a lot of fun. Part luck, part skill. Yes. Nice mm-hmm. time to spend your part of your lunch hour doing that. Exactly. That's and that's another activity where we mix up different departments. So you're always kind of working with new people. And, which yep. is a good way to build up camaraderie around here. Yeah. Well, and I certainly recall we've had a, a number of summer picnics over the years. And the fun thing about that is it includes not only staff, but family members. And it, I think it's cool to meet kids and spouses and significant others of some of the employees we work with. Last Last year, we had it at the zoo, and it included a fun activity that was a scavenger hunt. People had to go all around the zoo looking for the items on the list, Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't get past the giraffes. I don't know. They're (laughs) so interesting to watch, and their gait is so rhythmic and lyrical. Ooh, lyrical. (laughs) One more uh, foundation summertime activity, which is my favorite, is our Honey Badgers softball team. And um, Justin plays on the team. Yes. He could go pro. Like, you are very he, he really good. could. Very Thank talented. you very much. I think you're being a little... <laughs> 
No. No, no. He loves baseball. <laughs> I do. I do. And many of our members on the podcast team are, are frequent fans of the Honey Badgers softball team, so we thank them for their support. I yell, go Justin a yes. lot. Yes. Yeah. And this is actually a pretty common practice. The foundation is one of about 18% of employers who actually sponsor sports teams, uh, and this is great, as we mentioned, for building camaraderie amongst the players and um, throughout the organization as a whole. We always send out a weekly email talking about how the team did and some of the highlights each week, whether we win or more frequently lose. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention earlier, too, that from our, our wellness survey, we found that nearly half of employers actually offer some sort of staff outing um, oh, to yeah. build camaraderie. Yeah. So nice. that's cool. Yeah. As we continue talking about summer, I guess one thing that comes to mind is that we often have better weather. If you live in the northern half of the United States, my family's in Arizona, so summer isn't their best time. But <laughs> in the northern half of the United States, summer is just waited for with great anticipation. And the days are longer. We have more daylight, of course, and kids are on their summer vacation from school typically, which, you know, when you're talking about the workplace, that can pose a challenge for employees who have young kids. They have to maybe patch together child care or special kids activities. So an employer can help with that if they allow some flexible scheduling. And as we all know, time off is really the most valued benefit by employees, especially so in summer. That is true. And so in summer, employers can offer more flexibility kind of in general, or maybe one option might be to look at Fridays, right? Everybody loves some time on a Friday, maybe turn it into a three-day weekend. So in some cases, maybe the employer would let someone work fewer hours on a Friday, maybe let them leave an hour early on that day, or maybe either take a full day off or a half day off. And often it could be offered as an option to employees if they work longer during the rest of the week, then they can take some time off on Friday. Oh, you know, I just read a really interesting article this morning that kind of is a twist on that summer Friday idea. There's an association in Washington, D.C. that lets its workers earn every other Friday off if they go to some sort of networking meeting or event, and then they write up a little report afterwards. So they can go out for lunch or coffee or even to a mentoring meeting during the two-week period leading up to the Friday they want to take off, and then write up and share with staff a brief report describing how it's good for either their professional development mm. or as other association members or the association in general. That's a really fun idea. Isn't That's that very cool? unique? Yeah. And the association gives even gives them some cash, like about fifty dollars oh, wow. to help pay for the lunch or the oh. coffee oh, cool. and parking. You know, in DC parking yeah. is a big issue. So I just nice. thought that was really interesting and fits so well in our theme for today. Yeah, it does. Perfect. Well, and now I'm going to be a little bit of a, a Debbie Downer here, and I just want to say that <laughs> although staff members love to have summer Fridays, the employer, of course, really needs to make sure that their business needs are covered. So they may allow only a portion of their staff to take off on any given Friday. Mm -hmm. Can't be like everyone taking <laughs> off all day on Friday. <laughs> right. So you can alternate, you know, yeah, half you the staff get a... one group of Fridays <laughs> 
the other yeah, half work or out a schedule. break mm -hmm. it out like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And we actually have some survey data on uh, summer flex time. Uh, over one-third of U.S. organizations offer some sort of flexible work arrangement for summer hours. That could be compressing or reducing your work weeks during the summer months like we had discussed. 60% um, of organizations have an established formal policy for summer hours, uh, while 32% handle uh, these summer hour requests on a case-by-case -case basis. So That's interesting data. I found a fun survey from Account Temps, and they found that Obviously, as Kelly was mentioning, Arizona versus Wisconsin, flexible scheduling in the summer can definitely vary by region. So that the survey found that Denver and Philadelphia topped the list of cities offering flexible summer scheduling. And then professionals in Atlanta and Tampa were the most eager for summer Fridays. And they then, didn't talk to us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We are very eager here in Wisconsin with our long winters. Organizations in Charlotte and Denver are the most likely to allow early Friday departures. Sacramento is least likely to offer that perk, followed by Cleveland and Detroit. Interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. Mm -hmm. So moving inside, another issue that's likely to bubble up in the workplace when summer hits is the temperature indoors. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is a constant source of consternation in our As organization. As we're freezing <laughs> in the recording yes. studio. <laughs> so a recent study actually took a deep dive into temperature in the office and its impact on cognitive performance, and it actually compared the results by gender. Uh, this is something that we hear a lot is the different genders running at different temperatures. <laughs> in this study, two researchers had 543 college students in Berlin take different types of tests in a room set to various temperatures, anywhere from 61 degrees to 91 degrees Fahrenheit. And they had to answer logic problems, math problems, and some letter scramble problems. They found that when the room was warmer, women answered more questions on the math and verbal tests and got more questions correct. And the men, meanwhile, did better at cooler temperatures, but their decrease in performance at warmer temperatures was not as great as the women's gains, if that makes sense. <laughs> of course, the researchers caution that more studies need to be conducted before anyone attempts to eliminate these gender-based performance differences on these tests by tweaking the thermostat. But in the paper, the researchers wrote, quote, our results suggest that in gender-balanced workplaces, temperatures should be set significantly higher than the current standards. I totally believe this. And I mean, every workplace is different, but the rising temperatures mean you know, either the air conditioning is blasting and you wish you could be wearing fingerless gloves all day, even <laughs> though all that might look a little funky, or it's really warm, sticky, muggy, you have a hard time concentrating. And obviously you can't please everyone as Justin was saying, especially different genders have different preferences generally, but the U.S. OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, recommends temperature control should be in the range of 68 to 76 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, and that's a pretty big range, right. really. I mean, right. 68, yeah. you'd need layers, exactly. definitely, and, and 76 might be more comfortable for short sleeves. Right. I don't know. And so if your organization is more on the 68 range and, and less on the 76, the obvious solution is for employees to wear layers. Mm -hmm. I know our producer Rose can often be seen rocking an <laughs> afghan she to does. meetings. She brings well, it to meetings. Then, yeah, and I think it's fine. I mean, then you can concentrate more and you're not thinking about how cold you are. Right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, actually the next topic we wanted to discuss is dress codes because the changing temperatures also mean changes in how employees end up dressing around the office in the summer months. Yes, and, and uh, we're not talking specifically about afghans only, so I just right. wanted Even to clarify that. 
appropriate. Sure. <laughs> it's, it can be appropriate. Because so. Rose looks very nice under the She fat. does. She <laughs> does. But anyways, the whole topic of dress code, I have to say, ha- gives me a little bit of the willies because I flash back when I hear the word dress code to when I started. And everyone knows I'm very ancient. So I started working here <laughs> in the 1990s, early 1990s. So those of you who may be as old as me and remember the big hair, big shoulder pads, pantyhose, pumps, days. Power suits. Right. Power suits <laughs> in gray or navy. Um. Anyway, so I'm going to just loop Kelly in here because she and I have been here about the same amount of time. When we came here to the foundation, we had a very strict dress code. It was definitely the business professional look. Lots of suit jackets or blazers. There was always a jacket or a blazer, which worked if it was 68 in here. I was going to say that so was so great nice when, when it was, was 76 right. in here, right? Nice and the cold. pantyhose. Let's not forget the pantyhose. Oh, we could not not have device designed by someone. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there was all of that. Had to wear the pumps with the heels. We couldn't wear flat shoes and we couldn't have our toes showing. No, no open-toed sandals. And it's hard to find sandals that don't show a little bit of toe. Yeah, so that scandalous. And <laughs> and not to leave out the men. You know, the men had to wear suits and um, ties. Yeah. Suits and ties. That's true. There were ties. They could. They didn't have to necessarily be suit suits. It could be slacks and a, a blazer, blazer with a sports coat. Yeah, with a tie. But anyway, that's where Kelly and I came in. So happy to say that we have now lost the whole pantyhose, heels, jackets requirement, and we have gone to a casual dress code throughout every day. We kind started by having Friday casual and then we segued uh, when the world didn't fall apart to casual every day. So. <laughs> and I don't think we're alone in that. I mean, no. the, the whole country, I think, has gone much more casual in the workplace. I mean, there's a few industries that are still pretty dressed up. But Justin, don't we have some data on that? Yeah, what you're saying is uh, echoed by a lot of our survey research. Workplaces are getting progressively more casual and particularly in the summer, which is what we're talking about here. In 2018, 20% of employers surveyed for our employee benefit survey said that they have a casual dress code policy for every day now. And 41% allow casual dress on Fridays. And 55% enforce a business casual dress code. So the cool thing about having a, a little more relaxed dress code, especially in the summer months, is it's a perk that an employer can offer an employee and it really doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, those perks are the best because <laughs> yes. they please both sides. If an employer wants to start switching up the dress code, do you have any good tips or takeaways that they can start implementing? Oh, sure I do. So one tip is to start with a trial run. You don't have to just go from suits to jeans all in one fell swoop one day to the next. So start small, maybe do one day a week, uh, like a Friday, or you can have a few reward days where employees could wear jeans and have it be seen as a happy event. Uh, Some employers will let employees wear jeans for a day if they make a donation to a specific charity, for example. Oh, that's nice. That's a good idea. Yeah. So if you do a trial run like that, that will give you a sense of what would work and how your employees would dress moving Mm -hmm. forward. And of course, you know, you have to be really clear about what's expected. Are flip-flops allowed? You know, you need to set guidelines and really communicate them to your employees. Make sure that everyone gets the message and they're on the same page for what really is considered appropriate or not appropriate for your office culture. And, you know, it gets tricky. You want to avoid the huge 
life questions of am I wearing pants or are these really leggings? You know, <laughs> that can be a heated debate. Yes. There are flow and, devoted um, to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I know a few years ago, we weren't quite as casual as now. Our policy include lots of pictures, mm-hmm. photos of do this, not this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so that's very helpful. Yeah, that kind of, I'm going to have another flashback. Oh, I, no. for, it was about a year, I think, I was on this a staff committee put in place to enforce the dress code policy, called ourselves the fashion police, and oh, I gosh. just have, like, nightmares about, people would report things to me like, oh, so-and-so isn't wearing pantyhose today, and I'd be like, no, don't tell me, now that you've told me, I have to go, you know, do something about it. But anyway, those days are over, I'm happy to report. There's not still a secret dress code police? In no, the, no, there's not. But you're not allowed to talk about that. No. We've I mean, if, if it's secret, it's really secret. Yeah. So. And it sounds like we're pretty fortunate to not have been here for those dark days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another tip about uh, any dress code policies is to, of course, keep it legal. Before you establish a dress code requirements that prohibits tattoos or piercings. Mm-hmm. Or, or flip-flops or leggings. Yes, yes. Right. Employers have to make sure that they determine if their prohibitions run contrary to state law. So keep that in mind. And to keep things simple, I've heard of a lot of workplaces just stating dress for your day as their dress code policy. So they trust their employees enough that they will make their own call on what's going to be appropriate that day depending on their schedule, you know, who they might be meeting with that day or if they are presenting to a group. This concept really helps narrow the focus to employees and their work rather than what they're wearing when that work is completed. So in short, every workplace has its own culture and a different culture of casual. So evaluate what works for your organization. Right. We would love to meet our listeners, and you love benefits education, so what if you could do both at the same time? The International Foundation is hosting its certificate series right at our headquarters in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this September. This program is all about great education and flexibility. You can take single courses in topics you really want to drill into, like retirement plan basics, investment basics, and 401k plans, or attend all of them and earn a certificate in retirement plans. We'd love to say hello while you're an our neck of the woods. Go to ifbbp.org slash certificate series to learn more and to register. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're going to take another deep dive into another summer perk, and that is transportation benefits. Employees may be squeezing in a little more time in the sun by biking or walking to work once those summer months hit. And according to our Transportation Benefits and Incentives survey report, among U.S. employers that offer walking or biking benefits, the most common offerings include on-site bicycle storage, on-site locker rooms and showers, subsidies for biking to work, allowances or reimbursements for that equipment, and biking or walking paths that are around the workplace. So more than one in five organizations that offer walking or biking benefits have a formal policy in place. On average, 8% of workers take advantage of walking or biking benefits and incentives. Speaking of like having a formal policy in place, I spoke with a HR manager at a credit union in Portland, Oregon, which is a huge bicycle-friendly city, as we know. They have a pretty robust bike-to-work benefits program just based on their employee population. So over the last couple of years, they've increased their transit benefit to a full 100% reimbursement. Employees who bike to work also receive $10 a month, and then they have access to shower and locker room services. 
Now, this is just an example of how one company is supporting employees who bike to work. Summer might be a good time to revisit this policy or in state one if you have employees taking a more two-wheeled approach for their daily commutes. Oh, I thought of another no-cost perk for the summertime. Ooh, what is it? Yes, you can have your meetings outside. Oh, yeah, um, that's, yes. that's nice. A picnic table or even just a standing meeting or a, some people that are more energetic might want to have a walking meeting if mm. it's a small group. And again, no cost, but gets you outside, gets yeah. the fresh air, little vitamin D from the sun. Maybe we should have moved our recording session today to outside. We don't have a recording studio out there, though. No, we don't. (laughs) too bad. But I have to say, our episode editor, Amanda, would be yelling right now, no, no, there's too much road noise. That's true. There would be a lot of interference. Yes. Well, we did get to go outside a couple days ago when we had the dramatic rematch of our 2016 Office Olympics shot put medalists. Now, just a reminder, three years ago, the top finishers were our Plans and Trust senior editor, Robbie Hartman, who took the gold, our vice president of business development, Joe Glenicki, took the silver, and our own podcast host and senior research analyst, Justin Held, took the bronze. Da, 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 da. What do you feel like your prospects are today? I feel good. You know, I never fear losing. I decided after 2016 to turn down any endorsements. Um, I feel okay. Uh, Instead of actually training last night, I was working on my excuses ahead of time. The weather, it's a little bit rainy outside, so I don't do well in in rainy, humid conditions. Uh, I didn't get a great breakfast. Uh, I have a sore back. Um, So these are all things that I'm uh, planning on busting out later when I finish third again. And Joe is over seven feet tall, which gives him a significant height advantage. So we really have to focus on our technique. Our judges have made the call that our silver medalist, Joe Glinecki, has four minutes to get his butt on the field. Without that, he will forfeit or he'll just throw it later. He's probably juicing anyway, so we can just get rid of, we can just eliminate him. He's eating gummy bears, which are a banned substance. (laughs) (laughs) It's 100% psych out, and it's not working. (laughs) Oh, it's working on me. (laughs) Due to a 25-minute delay from the contestant from Brazil, the International Foundation Olympic Committee has disqualified him from competition. We will proceed with two contestants competing for the gold and silver medals. After waiting for 20 minutes, they decide that now is a good time to discuss the rules of the game. Our first thrower, Justin, taking a few more big, big arm swings, a giggle, hop, throw. Here you go, Justin. Come on, you can do it. And it lands somewhere in the lawn. Our gold medalist is being booed by the gallery. And now he's being cheered by the gallery. He's distracted by the gallery, and he throws it out there. Woohoo! Also, in the lawn, the raw athleticism is just beholding. Referees are currently measuring distances. Oh, very close. Very, very close. And deep from the woods, here he comes, Joe Glinecki. Will the judges allow this? What is happening? Nobody sees him coming onto the field. What will come of this? 
This just in, previous throws indicated that USA has won. However, the IFOC has ruled that Brazil, represented by Joe Glenecki, can indeed throw the ball. So how do you feel about your prospects today? I just hope they, they brought some umbrellas, so I'm making rain out here. Joe cut off the media conference after wishing rain on his competitors. Our only left-hander in the field, Joe is unsure how to approach the line. First, he aims for the gallery. Oh, let's let's spin the other direction. <laughs> the gallery encourages him to turn the other way. First throw. <laughs> Into the field, just a little outside. He expresses a lack of confidence. We're not sure. Joe just kicked his own ball. The judges are ignoring Joe's antics and measuring from where the bocce ball landed. Now the moment we've all been waiting for, the final measurement. It seems that Justin Held maintains his bronze status. All right, Justin, bronze medalist, how do you feel? Um, I was shattered three years ago when I took bronze and I'm shattered again. Our gold medalist is humble as he's known to be. I feel like it was a full and fair assessment of all of our skills in life, not just with bocce shot put. And how do you feel about your results today, your performance? I felt good. I'm still uh, questioning the final final scores. I'd like to go to a revote. I've got one word, collusion. It appears the rematch is a repeat of the Summer Olympics. I want to do uh, thank the podcast team for giving me a second shot at uh, redeeming myself in 2016. I disappointed a bit again, but I wanted to thank you all for the opportunity. We were behind you 100%, Justin. Thank you. Julie got to say, go Justin again. She's been practicing all honey badger season. I did have the loudest cheering section, so thank you all for that. Before we go, we want to let you know that we are taking a little summer break ourselves, uh, but don't fret. We will be back in your podcast feed in August. Thank you very much and enjoy your summer. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to it in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer, so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Today's program is copyrighted in 2019 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ruining every camera in 2016. <laughs>